Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I was at the Champions League game in Camp Nou with the CEO of Bad and Win. The offer we had on the table in those days were approximately a five years contract, 100 million euros. So I told this guy, okay, let's talk to them, you know. We said, and when the contract was finished, we knew that uh, there's just the last small, but the most important obstacle, the Junta Directiva, you know. And I remember exactly where, where I was sitting in which restaurant waiting for the call of the Junta, yes or not. And, um, then I got the call and, uh, they said no, they would not accept our, our proposal because they don't want to have a sponsor on the shirt. Sebastian Alvarado with a Coffee and Football podcast, a long-form interview where I sit down with some of the most influential profiles in the game to learn about their lives and career journeys. Today's guest is Arnold Trebesinger, the Managing Director of FC Barcelona in the Americas, which includes South, Central, and North America. Based out of the team's New York City office, he has overall responsibility for the club's growth ambitions across strategic partnerships, sponsorships, the foundation, and the academies, with the ultimate goal of making Barca the most recognizable brand and most global sports club in the world. Please join me as we discuss his journey and dive in behind the scenes and the inner workings of FC Barcelona. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Arno Trebesinger. Typically, I do these interviews downtown in the South Street Seaport, but today we're in a different setting, so maybe you can describe where we are now and, and what the setting is. Yeah, we are here close to uh, Grand Central Station in uh, Park Avenue 250 at the U.S. headquarters of uh, Football Club Barcelona, and uh, we opened this office a few months ago, back in September last year. Well, then I should probably also say welcome to New York to you personally as well. Thank you very much. Pleasure. How has the experience been so far in, in just living in this city? Um, great experience. Um, I'm not living in the city. I'm uh, living um, in Westchester County in a city called White Plains. The reason why I live there is uh, my family. I have two little boys 
and uh, to the fact that due to the fact that I'm Austrian, I speak to my boys uh, in German, and the official German school is in White Plains. So uh, when uh, my wife and uh, myself started to look for our um, our house, our apartment, uh, we obviously we have chosen or we have looked into different uh, places, obviously in Manhattan and uh, Brooklyn, New Jersey. But uh, our sons took the final decision, and uh, I didn't want them to commute every day to the school. So final decision uh, is uh, White Plains, and we are very happy there. And uh, it's a nice. For me, being all all day in the city, you know, uh, work here in the this, to get the spirit and the flair of the city and the speed and the, the stress, the positive stress, in my point of view. But then it's always nice for me for me to take the the train to at the train uh, Grand Central here, just yeah. a, a block away, and go back to White Plains. Yeah, I bet because it's a it's a high noise level in this city as well, so it's nice to once you get out get out just to decompress a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, the contrast is is great for me. You know, it would be hard for me to 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 live with my family in Manhattan because uh, r- raising two kids here in the in the in the city is quite challenging. So so it's a nice contrast for me, and I love the the contrast between uh, White Plains and uh, here uh, Midtown Manhattan. How old are your boys? My older boy turns uh, five, and the uh, the little one turns uh, two. So quite. Are they already footballers? Yeah, yeah, they they play football in uh, in uh, in the school over there, and uh, obviously, you know, if you work for Barcelona and uh, if you are such a big football fan that that uh, like like I am, so it's compulsory for them to. But they also like other sports, you know. I've been with my big boy in um, in different uh, games for of the Giants, you know, mm-hmm. because I love I love American football, and uh, he's also a, a Giants fan, and uh, but yes, he plays football, yeah. That's great, yeah, and it's a it's a it's a quite different spectacle, and and I'm sure we'll we'll get more in on this as we proceed in this conversation. But in terms of the entertainment approach to putting sporting events together, you know, if you look at how American football and the NFL does it, and and compared to European football, and in this case, there's a lot more going on around the game, so to speak. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's a completely different uh, literary ball game, you know. And uh, this fact is also one of the reasons I wanted to live in the U.S. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, and uh, I worked in the past with different events here in the U.S., especially in mot- motorsports. And uh, yes, you're right. The approach to to sport is here completely different. You know, sport is here like entertainment. The fan experience and the stadium experience is tremendous. It's, it's completely different. You know, for example, in our stadium in Camp Nou, which is the, the biggest soccer stadium in Europe. Our people, our fans arrive two minutes before the beginning of the game. You know, they are then 45 minutes uh, on their seat uh, following the, and watching the game. Short break uh, and then 45 minutes or 40 minutes. You know, if you're winning, people leave uh, five to 10 minutes before the end of the game in order to avoid the traffic. But here, you know, it starts with the tailgating in uh, in the in the big football uh, arenas, and you know, people uh, enjoy the game, having fo- having some food, uh, some drinks, and uh, yes, they they have the game also <laughs> on the field on the pitch. But uh, for many of them, it's not the main reason to come to the stadium. You know, it's the the, the entire experience, and uh, yeah, that's. Completely completely different approach and uh, sports is in the US uh, entertainment. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's interesting learnings to grab from that also at the same time as there needs to be a bit of a balance because mm. uh, football obviously has a different history and, and people have a different relation to it. Here, uh, people grow up with the entertainment factor of it, so they're very, very used to it. But I was happy to see I was actually in Camp Nou a few weeks ago. It was interesting to see it's built out at least a little bit uh, with some of the sort of entertainment or pre-game. You know, now you have at least places you can go for a drink and so on, which didn't exist a little while ago. Yeah. Um, I have uh, typically an opening question I ask everybody because the theme here is uh, coffee and football. Um, How do you like your coffee or do you drink coffee? Yeah. 
I, I love coffee. I need, need the coffee every day. So on my way from Grand Central to the office, I always pass at uh, Starbucks, obviously, to take a coffee. And uh, also here in the in the office, it's uh, it's part of the daily routine. And uh, I love coffee, you know. And uh, I used to live in Italy a few many years ago. And uh, I have to say they make the best coffee. And yeah. I'm used to Italian uh, espresso. But um, I love also the coffee here. And uh, yes. What kind of coffee do you get from Starbucks? Um, I get a grande latte with an extra shot of coffee, so a triple shot. So <laughs> this is my favorite in the morning. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, you are the uh, managing director of the Barcelona offices here in New York that covers the Americas, which also includes Latin America and, and obviously North America. To someone who doesn't know you or people who aren't familiar with that, how do you typically introduce yourself and describe your role? Um, yeah, I'm, my, my position is uh, Managing Director of FC Barcelona LLC. So we have an, an LLC here in the, in the US. And uh, my role is uh, to bring the club uh, to the Americas. You know, it's my have a great team here of already eight people. And uh, we want to spread the message of Football Club Barcelona, not only in the US, also in Latin America, where we have already a strong presence, thanks to our uh, Latin American players. Our president uh, put two years ago a strategic plan into place, uh, which says we should become until 2021 the most loved, cherished and uh, most global sports club in the world. And uh, we divided this uh, strategic plan in different areas. And one of these areas is uh, the internationalization of, of the brand. And uh, this is something we are pushing a lot, starting a few years ago already, opening our first uh, office abroad in, uh, in Hong Kong, so focused on commercial agreements in the South Asian region. Um, we have 15 people working in this office, and, and now it, it was time to open the office in the most important uh, sports market in the world, as we discussed before. And uh, here we are. We want to bring Football Club Barcelona here. We want to increase our the numbers of our fans. We have a fan potential of 20 to 25 million people in this country. Is that what you see as the potential or is that what you roughly count today? We have we have this. This is, this is our fan base, you know. Uh, there are some studies from Nielsen and from Repocom and uh, says we have this is our core, core fan base and uh, we want to increase this fan base. And uh, we want to take advantage of the of the development of soccer in this country. Soccer is growing during the last thirty years, but uh, during the last years it became a, a strong strong growth. But we are not only here to take advantage of the soccer pool. We also want to support the development of soccer in this country because I think we understand a lot of soccer and we want to bring uh, together with all the stakeholders, you know, USSF, MSL, other European clubs, which are doing a great job. Bayern is already here. So we want to support this development and uh, we also want to learn exactly what we discussed before, you know, for example, stadium experience, fan experience in the stadium. So we have to learn a lot and uh, these are the most important reasons why we are here. And you saw it as an important piece to have actual physical presence here. You just mentioned uh, Bayern Munich, which is one of the mm. other teams that has an office, but not that many others other than, than you and Bayern right now. Yeah. So, so was that really important that you actually had physical presence here? Yes. Absolutely, this is key to us because, uh, and I discussed it also with uh, with Don Garber and also Suni Regulati told me that so many football clubs had uh, came here during the last years, but they didn't stay here. You know, they came here for uh, maybe for some games or for some summer tours, but uh, there's just a few clubs which have a real 
permanent presence here. Obviously Manchester City with the MLS team here in the Yankee Stadium. Bayern Munich and we. So for us it's key to be here because uh, you have to feel the the country, you have to feel this uh, this sport on site, you know. And uh, we are here, we want to stay here and we want to to grow Football Club Barcelona in this country. Yeah, and anywhere it's important to kind of understand the cultural nuances because yes. it's a different audience that has a different relation to the sport. You mentioned Man City as well, which is kind of interesting because the core of, of that management team also comes from Barcelona, although a very different structure and under very different circumstances. Um, does the, the results of the team, does that have an, any influence on your job? You know, the, the, the last 10 years of Football Club Barcelona have been the most successful years in the history of the club. And uh, we wouldn't be at this position where we are without the last 10 years, you know. Football Club Barcelona has a long history since 1899. But uh, we, 25 years ago, we, f we won the first Champions League in uh, Wembley. But the last 10 years were really crucial. And obviously, these 10 years, we have Messi with us. You know, he's a very important factor in the success of the last years. So obviously it's important to be successful on the pitch in order to, to sell the brand. But um, for us, and this is one of the goals of, of the strategic plan, we want to develop the brand in the direction which gives us the opportunity to be independent on the results on the pitch, you know, because uh, it's part of the game and part of the sport that, you know, that you're not able to win always, you know. And this year it was uh, not easy for us. Uh, so you cannot win every year triple or Champions League. Uh, um, so you have to be independent uh, when it comes to develop your brand And uh, when it comes to be commercially sustainable, independent from the results. And that's what we're working on. There's almost a new coach that's been announced with Ernesto Valverde from Athletic Bilbao. Does that ever have an influence on, say, your job here in the Americas and how they manage, say, for example, because now you have an important summer tour coming up again? Uh, we didn't announce the coach. Uh, we will announce it uh, next, uh, next Monday, who will be our next coach. But obviously, it's important to have the, the right coach to come to the results, you know. And um, we are planning now the summer tour without having a coach. When the coach will be announced next week, he will have already the plans for, for summer. And obviously, this tour is uh, so important to us, you know, because having the team here, having the big stars here and all the stars will, will come with the team gives us the possibility to be closer to our fans here because it's um, not always easy to sell a brand which is playing every week uh, 5,000 miles away, you know. So um, obviously there is live broadcasting on, on Bean Sports. There are many possibilities to, to follow the league on, on, on the on digital medias. But uh, having the team here gives us really a great, great opportunity to show the American what is soccer about, what is Football Club Barcelona about. And uh, especially we are looking forward to the game in uh, Miami, first uh, Clásico after more than 30 years played outside of, of Spain. And um, this will be a showcase for us and uh, really crucial for the development of the next years because we, we don't know yet if the team will come back next year because there's only one summer where the team can travel. We have also our interest in the Asian market, so we don't know what will happen in 2018. So saying that, it means that we have really to guarantee a strong exposure this, this summer with our team here. Obviously, it's in, in your big interest to have the team in, in the Americas versus in, in Asia, although that's an important component of it as well. But what does that process typically look like in, in trying to get the team over? You know, the, the process starts that we get offers from different uh, uh, promoters, organizers in different parts of the world, not only U.S., It's also Asia, it's also Europe, and uh, then we sit down with our commercial team, 
and uh, see what does our commercial, what our, our commercial interests. But uh, obviously, the final decision always take the sports department, you know, because uh, they have to guarantee the team is uh, when the league starts in August, the team is in the condition to be successful from the beginning of the of the year. So it's always a compromise between the commercial interest and the sports interest. But uh, we are very interested in giving our team the best possibilities and best condition to prepare the new season. And uh, this is the case here. So it was easy to take the decision for us to come here to the U.S., I want to get back into more more of the details around the team and, and your work. Uh, but I'd like to know, what's a typical day for you? So from the moment you get up, what kinds of routines do you have? And uh, and then from there on? Mm-hmm. Well, normally I get up at uh, six o'clock in the morning. Depends on my kids if it's earlier, but normally it's six, six o'clock and... Um having a light breakfast at home and uh, then 6 45 7 o'clock taking my car to the um, to the metro station as i have a um, three minutes drive to the metro north in white plains and then i take the metro to grand central grab my starbucks coffee and uh, come here to the office and uh, start in my daily work i'm traveling a lot uh, uh, lately also traveling uh, to barcelona um, a lot having some meetings but this is the typical start of my day when I hear me in uh, New York City. Do you have any routines, any workouts, any reading you do in the morning? Yes, uh, no, no workout in the morning. This is hard for me, so I try to do it in the in the afternoon. But uh, obviously, when I'm in the, on the train, I'm reading all the Spanish newspapers. Um, we have the, the news, the news report from from Barcelona. So when I'm in the office in the morning. I've read already all the four sports newspapers and also different... Uh, Which ones do you read? Sports? Sport, Mundo Deportivo, and the Madrid's uh, uh, Marca and, uh, and Us, and then uh, some Catalan, and uh, so I have the, the most important. So I take, take advantage from the 45, 50-minute uh, drive uh, uh, from, with the train from uh, white, North White Plains to, to Grand Central to, to be updated and because it's six hours behind Europe so I'm in the office and uh, I know everything what happens in the sports world in Europe yeah. yeah and I think you need to read uh, both kind of the Madrid papers and the Barca papers yeah, to get a more yeah. balanced view it's, right? exactly exactly you have to read both and then you have to make a balance and then you know really what, what happened yeah yeah is there anything you do um, on a consistent basis in order to keep evolving yourself? Do you have any kinds of routines or any types of readings that you do in order to keep evolving as a manager and, and, and a leader of the office here? Yeah, no. Important is um, we have also newspapers from uh, news newsletters from from different marketing and uh, sports industries, and uh, that's what I'm what I'm really doing uh, permanently here, also also in the office. So it's important to be updated, and uh, that's important. Yeah. Which ones would you recommend? Yeah, we have a, a sports call, which is uh, really very useful and then uh, different from Barcelona in, in, in Spanish language and also in uh, in German language. So because I also have um, good contact still to, to Germany, which is a, a strong market of, of soccer, especially. So so this is a very important information source for me. Yeah. So you speak uh, well English, obviously, German, Spanish. Do you speak Catalan as well? Um, I don't speak Catalan, but I understand uh, 95% of Catalan, you know, and um, I also speak Italian because I used to, to live and study for one year in Italy. To speak Catalan is quite difficult, you know. It's not uh, the fact that if you speak Spanish, you can speak uh, immediately Catalan. 
I had some lessons and classes when I was living in uh, Barcelona, but uh, it's still quite difficult for me, you know, and uh, not only for me, uh, I have so many, uh, when I, I was living 14 years in Barcelona, and I have many uh, friends from outside, and only a few of them really speak Catalan. Only those speak Catalan who are married to Catalans, if they need to speak in a family, then it's easier for you to, to speak it, but... But uh, I still have it on my to-do list uh, to learn because uh, it's so important in our club because it's our official language. And uh, let's say 70 to 80% of the emails I get in the, in the club from the club side is in Catalan. So I understand everything, so I can read them. But I have to answer in, in, in Castellano, in, in Spanish, but uh, this is no big deal. But it would sometimes make things uh, easier in the club if you speak Catalan. But uh, yes, I still have it on my, on my to-do list, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, it's very complex. I, I thought it was much easier to learn Italian and maybe even French to a certain extent than, yeah. than actually Catalan. Yeah. And um, I have the impression that um, Catalan is closer to Italian and to French than to Spanish. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that makes me a little bit, uh, it's easier for me to understand it because I speak Italian and this uh, supports me in understanding Catalan. But uh, yeah, I understand nearly everything, but it, it's heavy to difficult to, to speak. Yeah, yeah, I can see how also how it's such an important component also of the club because it's uh, such a Catalan identity, right? Uh, and I'm sure there's a, you know these little nuances and details that, yeah. that kind of goes into uh, not only how they approach the language but mm. how they approach that life because it's fairly different from the rest of Spain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, the especially the nuances you mentioned are so important to understand. But uh, I, I can say that I understand these nuances because I was living 14 years in in, in Spain and in, in Barcelona. And uh, I think I understand the Catalan people. I understand how they, how they live, how they think, how they behave. So I understand them. And uh, I have to say, I love the Catalan way of, of life. And uh, otherwise, it wouldn't be possible to live 14 years in, in by the way, this beautiful city. And uh, it wouldn't be possible to work in, in Football Club Barcelona. Um, you're originally from, from Austria. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the southern part of Austria, which is close to the border of Italy and uh, Slovenia, former Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was 18, I came to Vienna. Uh, I studied in Vienna and um, studied also one year in Italy. I graduated in, uh, in Vienna in political science. So I'm a political scientist. So I spent the first uh, 18 years in Carinthia of my life. And then until I turned 25, 26 in, in Vienna and Italy and uh, obviously traveling a lot. In order to get to know you, is there anything I need to know about the place where you grew up? The, the place where I grew up is a place without big city. The, the biggest city in our, in our area is 80,000 people. So I grew up in a small, small village with 3,000 people. So with uh, protected by the family and uh, enjoying really every day and but when I was 18, I decided this is too small for me. I want to see the rest of the the rest of uh, of the world. But yes, I think the the people are very humilde, humilde, uh, humble, very humble in the, in this area, and uh, this gives me a sense of respect for for other people and especially the importance of family. This is something I want to try to to live every day, and uh, this was this was a very important background for me. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, they were a teacher. Both of them. My father was uh, was a teacher, and um, my mother not in the same school. And uh, my father um, in the in the mornings was teaching in the school, and in the afternoon he was teacher of piano, 
So he was musician also. It's two jobs. Do you play? Uh, yes, I I used to play a lot, obviously in the family, but I didn't you don't have the time and lose it a little bit. But but I want to recuperate, and I think it wouldn't take too long for me to to recuperate. And and uh, yeah, but uh, my father died um, very uh, young. This was very interesting experience for me. It was in '94. Um, and I, I had a young, I have a younger sister, which is 10 years younger than me. And, uh, she was 12. Uh, she came home from school and found my father dead in the sofa, you know, so this, and she called me, I was in Vienna. And, uh, so why do I tell this? Because this was a, a very important experience in my life, you know, and, uh, so it's in my life is a before and after, you know, and, uh. It was a, a difficult situation in this in this moment and in weeks following and hard. But once you come over the situation, you feel and you can realize that uh, something like that can make you stronger. You know, it's it's everybody says something like this. You know, but uh, if you really have it in your curriculum and uh, you lived it, but you really know that. Uh, this is the truth, you know. And uh, since then, I changed uh, a little bit um, the way the way I see life, and uh, it helped me a lot. In what way did it change the way you look at life? No, uh, in in the way that uh, you really know what's important. You know, it's important to to give everything a job and uh, to work hard because this is part of of your life. But there are also other things in life, you know, family and uh, health and uh, friendships and. Uh, you get a different view of, of, of life, you know, and uh, somebody, I think everybody gets this, this, this approach. Some of us earlier and some of, un, of us later, you know, it depends on your, on the development and uh, on your personal experiences, you know. But um, I see that uh, you have to enjoy really what you're doing because life is too short, you know. But this brings me back to Barca and I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm more than, more than lucky that my dream came true being here in this, in this club. So you studied uh, political science. Yes. Uh, what was your first job after, after school? FC Barcelona is my second job. Yeah. So I had worked for one company before. I used to work for 17 years for a sports marketing sports sponsorship company. Called WWP. WWP. Weirata Wenzland Partner. Weirata is Hati Weirata, one of the owners. And Hani Wenzel is his wife, the other owners. And both of them are very famous in Austria. They are former ski racer. She is Austrian. She's from Liechtenstein originally. And uh, he's world champion. And she's two times uh, Olympic champion. She won the Olympics in the U.S. in 1980 in Lake Placid. And uh, they started the agency in the middle of the 80s. When Hati Weirata won the, the world championship in, in Austria in 82, he was the hero in Austria, and since then I'm a big fan of. I uh, was a little boy when he won the championship, and since these times I was I was a big fan of Hati Varata. So when I finished my career, I said I don't want to work in the politics because this was my inspiration to start with uh, political science. I said I I prefer to work in sports, you know. And uh, I found out uh, thanks to my research that Hati has a company a agency, and I called him. And uh, yes, three months or four months after I started, this was in '98. What did you tell him? Yes, I tried to call him, and you know, secretary after three time, okay, she she passed me the the line to Hati, and I said uh, I'm biggest sportsman you can imagine, and uh, I want to work for you because uh, you cannot find a. In these days, the company was very small, you know, 15 people, now they're 100, 150. And I said, I want to work with you and uh, you need to at least to invite me to interview. And he was quite surprised and uh, he invited me for interview a few months after. And uh, this was the start of my of my career in the sports, sports industry. This was in 98. 
What did that then look like? You ended up becoming the managing director of, of mm. the company. About what kinds of uh, sponsorship and marketing types of deals uh, were you working on then? I was hired for to implement a sponsorship deal in Formula One. This was when uh, a tobacco company, Winfield, doesn't exist anything anymore, was became sponsor of Williams, Formula One team. And uh, we brought uh, a beer company to, this, uh, to the Williams team, German beer brand called Feltins. And um, Hart and his team, uh, they needed uh, people to, to uh, activate the sponsorship. And this was my first job in Formula One, working for the Williams teams, and in this case for a beer brand. And then um, when uh, BMW entered Formula One in 2000, I was working in the, in the Formula One team from BMW. They also made a deal with uh, Williams. BMW is Williams, and um, I was working in the hospitality and sponsorship uh, program of, of BMW in the Formula One with Williams. And at the same time, I was project manager of the biggest ski race in the world because we, are, uh, my former company, is still owner of the rights of the Hanenkamp running in Kitzbühel. So I'm not sure if this is very known in the US, but this is the event in Europe, you know, and uh, in, in ski racing, you know, and uh, that was managing this project for, for two years, from 1999 until 2001. How did it then happen that this Barcelona opportunity came about? Um, I started um, the office of FWWP in Barcelona in 2001. So I uh, left Austria and left Liechtenstein and I went to Barcelona. And um, I started the office in Barcelona from zero. So it was just me and another person. And um, we start with motorsports activities. So I was working in uh, MotoGP because the right owners of the MotoGP series is a, Catalan, is a Spanish company. Spanish company based in Madrid and in Barcelona. And that was the reason that we opened the office because we wanted to be closer to the to the MotoGP to the client, and uh, we brought many sponsors to MotoGP. So one of the most important projects in Barcelona in my company was MotoGP. But we started to work also in the soccer business. And the first client we had in Spain in the soccer business was uh, uh, Siemens Mobile as a shirt sponsor for Madrid. But then um, we uh, tried to bring the first um, shirt sponsor to FC Barcelona. It was a brand called Bet and Win, which uh, later was renamed to B-Win and became sponsor of uh, uh, Real Madrid. So we negotiated because Bet and Win was our client. So I was working as agency for Bet and Win. We developed all the, the marketing and sponsorship strategy. And we talked with uh, Barcelona to bring uh, Bet and Win as a shirt sponsor. And uh, we had already a um, a negotiated contract and uh, with the people in the club everything was agreed but then we had to pass the Junta Directiva the, the board of directors and uh, the approval but we couldn't get the approval from the board they didn't want to put a commercial sponsor in these times on their on their shirt so Bat and Win decided what we can do because Spani Spain was a very important market in, in those days for Bat and Win and they needed a, a, a blue chip brand in soccer, you know. So they asked us to go to Real Madrid because they were struggling with Siemens Mobile and with um, BenQ was the, the follower of, of Siemens Mobile. And uh, yeah, they accepted the proposal. So we brought B-Win to, to Real Madrid. The years after, I was... Uh, working with different projects with uh, FC Barcelona, with uh, different uh, clients. So I had permanently contact with, uh, with our friends from Barca. And uh, yes, when Mr. Bartomeo was uh, elected in 2015, 
as the new president for the next year and the 2021. He and his team asked me, and his one of his vice president, they asked me if I want to to go to New York and to run the office. And I says, yes, obviously this is a very interesting project for me, and I want to do that. Yeah. Just to take a couple of steps back there, and when you approach these big clubs with those types of sponsorship opportunities. How does that happen? Take me through the process when you start those conversations and, and how do you sell it in? Um, there's no general rule on that, you know. It always depends. I explained the case of Bad and Win, which was really very interesting for us, you know, because they wanted to um, to grow the business of online betting and uh, they needed to promote the brand, you know. So we sat down with them. We were the, the agency working for them on an exclusive base and that. So what, what can we do? Which are your most important countries? And uh, so we discussed a small sponsorship with uh, FC Barcelona. And then I remember I was at the Champions League game in Camp Nou with the CEO of Bad and Win. There were obviously no sponsor on the shirt of, of Barca in, in those days. It was in 2002, 2003, and uh, he said, why we don't uh, talk to, to our friends of Barcelona and to, to go on the shirt? I said, I looked at him, are you sure? You know, that uh, would be very difficult to convince them because they, our Catalan friends, they, they don't want to have a sponsor on their shirt because they are they're so unique. But if we could convince them, this would be a lot of money and... Uh, Uh, he said, how much would be? I said, maybe this number. And he said, how um, uh, well, uh, I think the offer uh, we had on the table in those days were approximately a five years contract, 100 million euros. So it was a lot of money in those days, you know. But the development of the sports industry and soccer was very fast during the last years. So I told this guy, okay, let's let's talk to them, you know. We sat down and uh, we negotiated it. And uh, obviously we all the details of the of the rights. And when the contract was finished, we knew that um, there's just the last uh, small but the most important obstacle, the Junta Directiva, you know. And uh, I remember when exactly where, where I was sitting, in which restaurant, waiting for the call of the Junta, yes or not. And... Um, Then I got the call and uh, they said no, they, they they would not accept our our proposal because they don't want to have a sponsor on the shirt, which was okay in this time. And uh, but um, coming back to your question, it's not um, not always the same structure. It depends really, you know. And uh, but in this case, it was a very nice and interesting project and ended up at the at the shirt of uh, of Real Madrid. Yeah, that was an interesting case. It was around the time where the club was in a very big deficit as well. Hadn't been doing that well for years. Uh, obviously, the new management team with Laporta and Ingla and Soriano and that team came in. Exactly. And in the end, they opted for, I think it was the UNICEF deal. So it was a very different approach. Yeah, the UNICEF approach was and is still not a sponsorship, you know. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. are paying uh, a nice amount of, of money to UNICEF, which we're proud of in order to give them the chance to be on our shirt, you know. So it was not really a, a sponsorship. It was uh, quite the opposite, if you, if you will. But uh, this shows exactly what is Football Club Barcelona about, you know. We are, we are a masculine club. We are more than a club. And it's an uh, approach like the UNICEF approach shows exactly what this club is all about. So when you stepped in to your role, what did that look like in terms of the main ask? And then how did you approach that in, in implementing a plan? Um... Obviously, I mentioned before that uh, we have also an office in Hong Kong, but the office in Hong Kong has a different uh, strategy, a different, different plan 
different objectives, this is more or less 100% commercial office. So their, their big goal is to look for commercial opportunity in the South Asian market. Here in the US is different, you know. Obviously, on the one hand, we have to optimize our commercial opportunities. Uh, we have to increase our portfolio of sponsors. We have already great sponsors, which we're very proud of uh, in this country, but we have to increase our portfolio of sponsors. But it's not, this is not the only goal of the office here. We also want to increase the awareness of our brand and to bring uh, the fact that we are more than a club also to, to this uh, to this country. You know, we have a, a foundation, uh, FC Barcelona Foundation, uh, which works with uh, different uh, and very interesting partners, UNICEF, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Shakira, Messi Foundation. And uh, this is something we want to bring also to the U.S. You know, we are supporting with our foundation approximately 700,000 kids every year. Um, in the U.S. only? Not in the U.S., on a worldwide scale. On a worldwide. And uh, we want to bring this uh, opportunity helping kids also to the U.S. So it's not only commercial, it's not only sporty, it's not only brand building, it's also bring to the U.S. and explain our friends in the U.S. that we are more than a club. How's your performance measured? Well, uh, the measure, measuring in, in the sponsorship in the commercial partners is, is quite easy, you know. We have a business plan and with some figures at the end and uh, with some new sponsors and uh, we have to, to fulfill this business plan, you know. And on the other hand... Um, we are measuring through Nielsen and through companies, the brand, the fan, the fan bases, which is uh, easy to, to compare. And um, something which is very important to us, uh, which I didn't mention before, is the football schools called FTB Scholars, which we want to increase in terms of number dramatically in the US. We have, by end of this year, we have six schools in the US, plus um, six in, uh, in Canada. Part of our strategic strategic plan, which I mentioned before, until 2021, is to bring up to 25 schools to to the US. So this is a very heavy plan and uh, hard plan, and uh, but we are on a good way, and uh, I think this uh, this could be possible, and this is easy to to measure. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another thing that's quite unique about Barcelona and that's talked about quite a bit is the management of the team, uh, the structure, the ownership structure of the club, comparing to many of the other big clubs out there. Can you kind of describe what that structure looks mm -hmm. like? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, sure. The, our, our owners are 145,000 members. Is that a set number? We have, at the moment, it's not possible to become new members. Only you can give it uh, in the family, father to the kids. But for the moment, this is a strategic decision for the club. We don't want to increase this number. Maybe in the future this will change. But at the moment, we are approximately, I think, 147,000 members. And we have to bring all important decisions to these members. Obviously difficult to ask 140,000 members every day, what do you think? So there are some rules established within our constitution of the club and we hold once a year a so-called general assembly, which I think approximately three to 4,000 people, which are randomized, selected from the 147,000. So day three, 4,000 come to Barcelona, uh, sit in a big venue and uh, we ask them. Uh, you want Katayaves uh, or Rakuten as our new uh, shirt sponsor. So there are different. There are a few decisions which have to be asked our members, and uh, the structure is um, completely different than many of the clubs in the Premier League because there are, there are some owners, Russian or, or Middle East uh, um, people who own these clubs. And uh, our structure is so different. On the one hand, it makes it more complicated when it comes to decision-making process. But this is uh, such a unique uh, uh, situation and uh, this makes Barcelona also more than a club. And we're proud of this situation and uh, we don't want to change it because this is this is football club Barcelona all about. And uh, this is, uh, on the one hand, it's uh, difficult, but uh, we, ha and we have to really earn every euro we want to invest in the team we have to earn, you know. There are other clubs which uh, have it easier, you know, if there is the financial background a little bit um, different. But uh, for us, this is our situation and, and uh, I think this makes us so, so special. Does that have any influence in the way you structure deals with potential commercial partners and, and sponsors here? Like how is that vetted and, and decided on in, in the organization? You know, the, the smaller deals, the smaller sponsorships, we don't ask, we don't need to ask our members, our assemblies. We have to ask if there are contracts on the long term. We have to ask uh, if we are allowed to put a commercial partner on, on our new stadium, for example. But the smaller deals, you know, this is, this is part of the agreement of the constitution. We can decide on, on other criteria like, like every other club. What would you say are your um, biggest challenges in the U.S. market? You know, um, I also in football, is, uh, soccer is growing in this country and uh, many European clubs want to be here in the U.S. and take advantage of this development. But on the other hand, nobody's waiting for us. No, nobody is waiting for a football club Barcelona. So we have to be uh, consequent in our strategy. We have to increase our our awareness and uh, we have to be here in the market. And uh, the, the biggest challenge is uh, the big uh, market in this industry. And I'm not talking about sports industry. As I mentioned before, I'm talking about entertainment because we are not only fighting against uh, fighting. We are not only competing against uh, other European clubs here. We are competing against MLS. We are competing against uh, Mexican League. We are competing against four other big soccer leagues. We are competing with uh, Broadway. We are competing with Disney. So there is a big market, and uh, I think there is space for everybody. But uh, we have to we have to really be consequent in in, in our strategy, and uh, we have to be consequent in implementing our way. And kind of more specifically in, in your role, what, what are your challenges? Is there anything that keeps you up at night? No. The only thing that keeps me up at night are my kids. But um, 
It's sometimes um, challenging because um, um, the fact that uh, we are uh, 5,000 miles away from Barcelona from the headquarters, sometimes challenging, you know, because uh, also the time difference, the six hours uh, doesn't make easy when it comes to decision-making process. And um, this is something sometimes challenging, you know. I know there are different uh, possibilities of the, of the communication, modern, but um, there is no culture in the club having different offices, you know. Manchester City is used to this, you know, because this is part of their uh, strategy during the last years. But for us, it's new for a football club Barcelona. And uh, the mentality of the people in Barcelona has to be, be adapted to the new uh, globalization. And we're in a good way, uh, but this takes still a lot of time, you know. What's the most um, surprising thing you've come across in, in this sort of U.S. sports market? What's something that maybe you had a perception when you came here that it's a certain way, but you came here and it surprised you? And Surprised um, for me. I, I knew that people has here to the sports a different approach. You know, I, I knew that uh, that sports is is more entertainment. What me surprised a little bit is is the fact that uh, for fans and for for the the sports consumer, it's not so important to win. You know, for them it's here more important to be part of the game. But um, the fact to to be successful to win is nice to have and they appreciate if the team win. But um, it's not the the most important uh, factor for them to to visit the sports arena. You know, this is different in Europe because, especially in our club, FC Barcelona, wherever we participate, we want to win. We want to be the best. Not always possible, obviously. But uh, and this is something which uh, maybe surprises too much, but uh, which is uh, interesting fact from when it comes to the consumption of sports uh, in, in this country. As we touched on earlier, you see what other sports entities or entertainment entities uh, do here and what they do differently from a commercial standpoint. What would be some, some organizations that you look up to that you think that a club like Barcelona has a, a lot of learning to extract from? For me, the, the most interesting thing is uh, when I go to a sports arena, you know, is it Madison Square Garden or to MetLife Stadium, because what uh, and I'm a commercial guy, you know. I was working in sponsorship uh, all my life, and uh, but what I what I'm seeing uh, the the on-site experience, also the the activations for sponsors is unbelievable, you know. Recently, I was at the a Rangers game, and uh, because the Austrian guy, I know Michael Grammer is playing for the Rangers, and I love ice hockey. I used to play ice hockey when I was young, but um, you know. Every two minutes when there is a, is a break, something is happening for the sponsors, you know. And um, this is something which uh, it's really different to Europe, you know. Obviously, soccer, it's, it's more complicated because there are no, not too many breaks. But the, the professionalism and the dedication for the, act, the, the consequent activation of the sponsorship is, is, is unbelievable, you know. And uh, this is something where we, are, where we are watching, where we are observing, and uh, we, want, we want to learn also in this regard here in the U.S. Any specific tactics that you've already started implementing in, in the club? Um, it's too early because, uh, you know, in order to implement this special fan experience, you need to have the infrastructure and the conditions for that, you know. Our Camp Nou Stadium is a nice stadium and uh, impressive stadium. You have been there for several times. But uh, it's not the, the newest and the most modern stadium. So we are working on a, on a, on a project. For sure you heard about it for, for a new stadium. There's by Barca. 
we want to remodeling the the stadium completely. I'm talking about a five to six hundred million uh, investment, and uh, especially also because of the fact to set the conditions exactly for what we discussed before. You know, we want to bring our people, our fans, our members earlier to the stadium. But in order to bring them earlier before the beginning of the game, you have to offer them infrastructure, you have food and beverage, you have to offer them different things. You know, and uh, we are working also with a US-based company which is called Van Wagner, which uh, supports us in the development of the new Spy Barca product in terms of uh, fan experience. And then when it comes also to the main sponsor, to the naming sponsor, and uh, we we are already working on some some, some ideas, uh, but it's still too early because uh, here since a few months, but uh, we will copy <laughs> some, some interesting aspects uh, of the big leagues, especially the big leagues uh, and the activities on site in their venues. Yeah. yeah, well, there's uh, obviously a lot of room for growth. I think football mm. has been far behind some of the more sort of commercially driven sports. I think America has obviously been at the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time with that, I think comes an important balance because it is a, a slightly different audience that has a different relationship to the sport that's yeah. grown up in a different way. I guess, how do you manage kind of that balance and ensure that it doesn't come across as overly commercial? Mm which is, I think, sometimes the, the flip side here in America, that sometimes it's too commercial, it's too many logos, it's too much corporate messaging around the sport, and that tends to draw criticisms from the true fans. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. But uh, again, this is part of the culture in this country, you know, and uh, I hope nobody wants to change this because this is so natural for this country, you know. And um, that brings me again to the to the point that we cannot copy everything because you cannot break the soccer game every two minutes in order to make a, a commercial break you know but um, these are uh, two different approaches to the to the sport and uh, I don't know which one is uh, more effective or, or more interesting I love both of them and uh, what we have to do with soccer we cannot come to the same approach in terms of entertainment but we have to come closer to this to, to be also an interesting product for the US it was announced uh, fairly recently, the uh, Barca Innovation Hub. Are you specifically doing anything with that? And, and w- what is it to, to begin with? Yeah, the, the Barca Innovation Hub is uh, an incubator of knowledge. We want to be an incubator of knowledge. We have so different areas where we gathered knowledge in the last decades. And we want to open this knowledge to the, to the public. We want to increase this knowledge and this know-how through cooperations with different uh, institutions, universities, but also single brains which could uh, could help us in increases knowledge and we want to give it to the to, to open this knowledge for the public we are cooperating with different universities for some some agreements here in the US but uh, this is a, pro- a long term project the innovation hub and uh, we are working still on some different uh, areas and uh, but it's part of our strategy to become the most global sports club uh, in the world Fans today are very mobile savvy and, and it's all about technology and they're very connected 24-7. H- how would you describe the club's digital strategy in this market? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we just announced a few weeks ago a new digital director who used to work for, for Manchester City a few years ago. And uh, he just started... With Richard? Or? Uh, no, uh, Russell Stopford. Russell Stopford. And uh, we start. We will invest a lot of uh, a lot of money also in our digital in, uh, development. And uh, because we um, had some, let's say, some issues in the past in our digital areas, because the digital 
digital uh, assets were divided in different areas in the club, and uh, which was okay in the past, but which is not the, the, the basis for the, for the future, the structure, the right structure for the future. And I think Russell is doing a great job working in the right direction. And uh, it's too early to talk about it, but uh, there will come a lot of, a lot of uh, interesting things, also in connection with the Innovation Hub, but with our digital strategy, and, um, which we start to announce uh, in the next month. Our US-based uh, digital strategy is very linked to the global strategy. So we still don't have our team uh, here working on a, on a local uh, digital strategy. This will be aligned with our global strategy. And uh, details, we are at the moment in the period, in the discussions, in the phase to discuss the next step. But uh, obviously there's a lot to come because the consumer behavior is, 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 is changing uh, Tremendously, it's you know? moving too fast. It's moving too fast, and all all the clubs have really to put all the efforts in order to fulfill what the, our consumer is really demanding. You know, because the, only a few people are watching ninety minutes of football game on, on television. You know, so they they have a second uh, or third screen uh, where they get the information from, and um, this is a fact. Uh, we we cannot discuss about that. And uh, all of the stakeholders in this business, soccer teams. Um, TV producer, media right holder, has to accept this and has to work on a on a strategy to be prepared. Yeah, it's it's, it's moving tremendously fast. It's almost you need to analyze young kids and, mm. and how they interact around that because you and I are, are way past that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all righty, so let's move uh, towards the end here. I'm just gonna shoot a set of uh, rapid fire questions. Um, what's the biggest moment in your career? The biggest moment in my career was when I um, opened the, um, officially the, the office of um, WWP in Barcelona. It was a big, big uh, event and uh, showed me that uh, we did the, uh, the right job and uh, this, was, uh, this was the nicest moment in my, in my career. The deal that you've made that you're the most proud of? Um, I did a deal with uh, MotoGP and the brand uh, BMW which is official car of MotoGP. MotoGP is not so strong here in the US, although in the past, the uh, United States had so many world champions. Nicky Hayden was the last one, but uh, uh, Eddie Lawson, uh, Freddie Spencer, Kevin Schwantz, uh, Kenny Robert. So MotoGP is uh, on the worldwide scale very strong and a strong uh, sport. And I brought BMW as the official car in 99 to MotoGP, and I renewed this deal with Dorna, with the right holder, Many times until now the last contract is uh, finishing in 21. So it was a 22 years deal, which is not common in, in sports business. And this is a deal I'm, 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 I'm quite proud of. You've obviously been involved in multiple negotiations. Uh, what would be a couple of uh, sort of key tactics in, in being successful in a negotiation? Um, you have to know what the partner you're negotiating with really wants, you know. Uh, if you know exactly and uh, you have to be prepared, what is his goal, what is his uh, wish, what is objective. If you know that, it's easier to, to come to what, whatever you want, you know. And uh, But you have to be always well prepared. I, I met a lot of people who came to negotiation without any preparation, background information. And this is not a good basis in order in order to to come to a to a nice uh, result. You have to be well prepared, and you have to be consequent. You have really to until the finish and uh, to come to the goal you really wanted to have. What's the most important characteristic to be successful in your position? 
to be consequent and to work hard. But I think this is for all the, the successful people, not only in the, in the management, but also in the sport. You know, uh, it looks the result of big, uh, big players uh, look so easy sometimes, but uh, nobody or few people see the work behind them. So you have to be work hard and uh, be consequent. People that you look up to that have influenced you or keep influencing you? I mentioned before, um, one of my former bosses, Hati Vairata, who was a, a ski racer, was always a idol for me before I started to work. And when I, knew, when I met him and uh, knew how he works, um, I really uh, know what it uh, needs to be a, a world champion and then also successful in the business. So this is always was always a guy I was, I was really uh, looking at. And uh, there are more, I met many people in my sports, you know, Mr. Mateshi, the guy, I'm, this is the owner and the founder of Red Bull, Austrian company, who is really an unbelievable, interesting guy. Um, there are many people in, uh, I met during the last decades. Do you have a book recommendation? Um, I'm reading at the moment the, the CAA story, you know, this is the, the book from the, the agency, yeah. which they also work for us and I'm in, in the beginning, but it could be a very interesting um, it uh, is. Uh, I, book. I, yeah, you're right. It is very yeah, yeah. Don't tell me too much, you know, I, I, want, <laughs> I, want, I want to be, but um, there is no, don't have, don't have really a recommendation. Okay, no. so we'll, we'll take that. I think yeah. it's a pretty good uh, mm-hmm. recommendation. Um, final few, the best player of all times. Messi. No question. No question. Do you have anything you would like to recommend? Uh, I would recommend to visit Barcelona. Really, to be honest, not because I'm working for Barcelona, but uh, I'm at so many places and uh, I have some favorites of cities and um, my three favorites are Vienna, New York and Barcelona. But uh, I really would recommend to, to visit Barcelona. This is uh, The city took a great uh, development during the last 20 years after the Olympics in 92. And uh, it's really a great city, has everything close to the sea. The food is uh, tremendous and the, the culture is so interesting. So I really, really recommend everybody who's listening to us to, to visit this and obviously to see a game at the Camp Nou. Fantastic. Last one. Who do you think I should interview on this podcast? Mm, Sunil Golati. That sounds like a good one. Hmm. I've, I've reached out a couple of times. I'm yeah. trying to, to coordinate that one. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Arno, thank you so much for taking the time hosting me here at the mm-hmm. uh, Barcelona office. I'm mm-hmm. uh, very excited to see what, what's to come in the future for you guys. And, and so best of luck and thank you. Great. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. listening i hope you enjoyed it if you did please subscribe on itunes and write a review i would really appreciate it as we grow this podcast one listener at a time if you have any feedback or ideas feel free to send me an email at sebastian at coffeeandfootball.com you can also link up with me via twitter the handle is at coffees football stay tuned for next episode it will be another amazing one thanks again and have a great week Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.